um, while we are praying uh, and, and holding um, Carol in our thoughts, um, you will be lucky to know that I prepared a short sermon as well. Um, so um, back to our gospel passage. Uh, this is a unique passage and that it only occurs in John and that in it, Jesus is quite a chatty Kathy. In other words, this is the single, this is the longest discourse we have of Jesus in the entire scripture. He's alone. He's resting by a well in noonday desert heat when a Samaritan comes to draw water. Samaritans and Jews were adversaries and social and religious codes prohibited men to speak to men and women to speak together in public. So there in the broad daylight, Jesus breaks two rules by initiating communication to the Samaritan woman at the well. Their conversation on the surface, at least, is about water. Not just the water that we drink, but this living water that Jesus speaks of that will quench far more than thirst. It's interesting, though, that we see neither Jesus nor the woman actually drink any water during this encounter. In fact, the woman gets so excited by the encounter that she leaves her jar behind before she runs off. She could care less anymore about the water. There is a miracle, though, in this encounter, and it has nothing to do about quenching actual thirst. What transpires is that Jesus and this woman engage in a conversation and find out who the other person really is. For the woman's part, she's been married five times before. We really, we don't know why. It could be that all of her husbands have died. It could be that some or all have divorced her. And why? Maybe she's a pill to be with. <laughs> or maybe she's infertile and she hasn't given them offspring, so they keep divorcing her. We don't know the particulars, but we do know that to have five former husbands certainly tells us that this woman has been through pain, has been through grief, and perhaps trauma. It's curious, too, that she is drawing water at the blazing hot hour of noon and not early in the morning or the early evening when it was much cooler. She's probably socially ostracized. Maybe she's working multiple jobs. What's the reason for her to come to the well at noon? There are so many questions I have about this woman, let alone her name, but Jesus has no questions. Instead, he lets her know he knows exactly who she is by naming a part of her life that is full of pain and sorrow, a part of her life that maybe she didn't like to talk about too much a part of her life that she pretended was behind her, though she carried it close inside. 
And speaking directly to this woman's experience, Jesus essentially says, I see you. I know who you are, and I know what you've been through, and we can talk about it, and I love you. And that is a moment, a miracle of liberation for the woman. We know this because immediately she exclaims that Jesus must be a prophet. And then in her own way of letting Jesus know that she too knows who he is, she says, I know that the Messiah is coming. She goads him in. And for the first time in the Gospel of John, the first time, Jesus reveals he is the Messiah. This Samaritan woman at the well is the first to see Jesus for who he really is, to name it. So the miracle of deep knowing is shared between Jesus and the woman. This interaction is so full of power and revelation that the woman runs into town, leaving her jar, proclaiming that she met the Messiah, and Jesus stays for two days with the Samaritans, giving credence to a woman whose words might have been doubted and overlooked had he not stayed. Commentaries that I read said it was like he was a witness who hung around for two days to say, yes, yes, this woman's not making this up. But my friends, we are all the woman at the well. And Jesus is next to us, naming the parts of our lives that are broken, the parts of our lives that hurt, and the parts that we wish were kept secret. Our invitation is to let God name them for us, to open our whole selves up to God and trust that God is with us in love and compassion. I read a reflection several months ago that asked me to consider the things that I don't include, that I don't want to include in my prayer life. The things that I am too ashamed to talk to God about. The things I don't bring up out of fear, embarrassment, or shame. Maybe you have some of these too. Since then, I've been trying to identify what those things are, and I find some of my prayerful sentences beginning with, Ugh, God, I really don't want to talk to you about this thing. And I do. I begin it like that. I don't want to talk to you about this, but I'm supposed to talk to you about it. This fill-in-the-blank is bothering me. And this practice is helping me slowly transform my life to give my whole life over to God, not just the areas in which I think I'm doing well, the areas in which I feel good to pray about or safe to talk about, but the areas that might seem minute, silly even, the complicated ones and the deep in my gut, really complicated situations. We are invited to ask God for help in these exact areas, 
these parts of our lives that separate us from God or separate us from community. We don't have to get it right before coming to God. We are supposed to rely on God and the struggle. We are supposed to let God name these things for us and with us. The woman at the well didn't have a choice. Jesus was there and named exactly who she was and opened up her life, broke her life open just a little bit in a way that she couldn't escape from it. And it liberated her. So what are the things that you are trying to hide from Jesus? What are the things that if you met Jesus at the well, you hoped Jesus wouldn't bring up? Pray about those things. Give God those things. Because God knows you. God loves you. Let's turn over our full lives and struggles over to God for that inner healing that only God can give. That's the living water. That's what will quench our thirst. The water then will come within us. The gospel says the spring of water will be within us, gushing up. And that's the eternal life that we are invited to. Amen. Amen.